Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Ladies and gentlemen, introducing the Wrestle Addict Radio Network. Radio Network. Hey, what's up, you guys? What is going on, everybody? What up, fam? Hey, it's me. What up, oozes? What's up, guys? This is the Monday Night Delight. Are you looking for a network that brings you all things pro wrestling? Then look no further. Wrestle Addict Radio brings you a varied source of wrestling content. What's going on, guys? This is Willie T. My name is Mr. Press. This is your resident smart slayer. Search for Wrestle Addict Radio on all major podcast platforms and be sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Buzz, buzz, guys. My name is Kate Murphy of the Kings of the Ring podcast and you are listening. And you are listening. And you're listening. And you are listening. And you are listening. Get ready for a war because you're listening. Come join the war each and every week as we fight to keep wrestling real. What's up, everybody? This is Katie Ricky Rose. And you are listening to Wrestle Addict Radio. 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 You are now tuned in. What is up, you guys? This is Nate the Effing Great. This is indeed the Game Changer Podcast, a part of Wrestle Attic Radio. Be sure to check us out at Attic underscore Wrestle. Be sure to check out all the great people, including Gift the Podcast, Nacho Mama's Podcast, the Fourth Wall WrestleCast, and the Kings of the Rings Podcast. Guys, they're absolutely amazing. And I'm going solo today after the very interesting episode that I had with Agent Cooper last week. I thought that it's kind of one of those episodes that I want to try to just do on my own. And maybe it'll turn out great. Maybe it'll be a massive car wreck. Who really knows? But I will tell you guys right now, major shout out to my co-host, Mr. Fretz. Miss your brother. Hopefully looking forward to seeing you very soon. Actually, I could say this, that while he's been away spending time with his family definitely one of those things that I admire him about and I respect about the man. I will tell you this, that he's going to be on the show next week. He is making his return and we are going to be talking about the build up to SummerSlam, guys. Oh boy, it's going to be a very interesting episode. So Mr. Fretz, love you brother. Looking forward to seeing you next week. Alright, so over the last few weeks, I've been taking the time to talk about past game-changing Raws. And honestly, guys, this is going to be an interesting episode because I could go through the entirety of Raw 25, talk about the matches, talk about the moments, and talk about that. But then I got to really thinking about it, and Raw 25 almost felt the same way as Raw Reunion felt this past Monday on Raw. So I thought that I would actually combine both of these Raws and kind of talk about these two episodes in 
not exactly in their entirety, but at least some highlights of it. And this is going to be an episode entitled Hashtag Raw Nostalgia. Because these are really nostalgic, you know, Monday Night Raws. They're not exactly ones that are really furthering too many storylines. They're not really there to just promote anything more than just, you know, a lot of the legends that have come back, a lot of people who have paved the way for men and women on Monday Night Raw. They are making their returns to the flagship show, and they're there to have this kind of, you know, you know, kind of high kind of moment or have like a good feeling for the fans to show appreciation to them. So let's actually just get right into it. Honestly, guys, when I compare both, you know, Monday Night Raw's Honestly, it starts and ends with one person, that is Stone Cold Steve Austin, who still gets one of the biggest pops in the entire WWE, and you can fight me on that, because it kicked off Raw 25 with Stone Cold stunnering the McMahon family, and it ended Raw reunion with Stone Cold Steve Austin just talking about, you know, everything that went on with Raw, he talked about meeting up with so many of the great legends that he had associated with, it's just one of those shows that just does an absolute, very interesting deal, I'll say this, and again, Stone Cold Steve Austin is one of the greatest superstars of all time, so he's still going to get that major pop, and I'm sure a lot of people would love to see more of him, and I will say this, that the end of Raw Reunion actually talked about Stone Cold Steve Austin uh, doing a podcast with Hulk Hogan, so... We may have an episode of the Stone Cold Podcast with Hulk Hogan very soon. Honestly, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Who knows? Maybe it's a Hulk Hogan podcast with Stone Cold Steve Austin, for all we know. It's just a really fun-filled deal. So, you have that nostalgia there of Stone Cold Steve Austin, who is a top major star and who just absolutely brings out the best of what Monday Night Raw truly was. It was all about, you know, getting in your face, just absolutely being loud, rambunctious, but also connecting with the people. And I really loved how Raw ended this past week where Stone Cold Steve Austin, he said, you know, to everybody, you're like fa- family. Everybody in the arena, everybody looking, everybody watching at home, you're like family. And it's kind of one of those things that, you know, when you hear it from the McMahons, it's like, well, you say that now, but give it about a few months. Oh, yeah, yeah, this is how you treat family, huh? When it comes from a superstar, it means so much more because these are the people that are putting their bodies and their souls, their bodies and their souls, Jesus Louise, um, their bodies and their lives on the line to create a memorable show. So to hear that from a legend like Stone Cold Steve Austin, it honestly means so much to me. And I'm sure it means so much to a lot of other people too. And when it comes to more nostalgia, when it comes to these two Raws, I mean, one featured The Undertaker, one did not. And we had some moments throughout both shows where we saw some of the great legends, we saw some of the great Raw moments. I'll talk more about uh, Raw 25, and I'll kind of do a back-and-forth deal between that and uh, Raw Reunion. With Raw 25, we only had like a handful of matches where one of the things I will say, I'll, I'll get into that one later on, but we had a segment where literally you saw superstars coming in to the APA locker room and they're just playing poker. They're just playing cards or doing this. I mean, it started off with Slater and Rhino and then it you know, got more people involved. You had you know, Natalia, you had Jeff Hardy, you had MVP make an appearance. 
you had you know Titus Worldwide, you had the Usos, you had so many different people just enjoying that. And it's just one of those things where it's like you never really think you get the chance to see that. And we didn't really get too much of a chance to see, you know, APA, but anytime you see Ron Simmons, you know he's going to create something memorable. Raw 25 was the poker deal. Raw Reunion literally just <laughs> was just him saying damn to Mike Canales because of the fact that, oh boy, this whole, this whole, I'm, I'm not going to lie, guys, the, the whole thing with Mike and Maria is just still so, so really weird for me, but... I do love the fact that it did get a little bit of a damn moment from Ron Simmons. And it was amplified, too, because he used a megaphone from Jimmy Hart. Oh, my Lord. That was just... It's just so entertaining just to see that. Uh, so I'll just go quickly through these matches for uh, for Raw 25. Uh, main events, taped matches. We had Golas defeating Kurt Hawkins. That was when Kurt Hawkins had that losing streak deal. And ironically enough, he and Zack Ryder lost to the Viking Raiders this past week, so I guess you can say it's kind of a common theme here. We had Grand Metzalik and Kalisto defeating Gentleman Jack Gallagher and TJP. Uh, we had an eight-woman tag team matchup, the team of Asuka, Bailey, Mickey James, and Sasha Banks defeating Alicia Fox, Nia Jax, Mandy Rose, and Sonya Deville, with pages at ringside. I will say this, that this was one of the better ways to promote the first-ever Women's Royal Rumble matchup that would take place later on in that month. And it showed Asuka being dominant. I just wish that they would have handled her more. We had The Miz defeating Roman Reigns to regain the Intercontinental title, which I was not expecting at all, to be fair. Uh, and the final matchup on here was Heath Slater and Rhino taking on Titus Worldwide, and it ended in a no contest. That was that was literally it. Um, no, I'm, I'm actually... Oh, wait a minute. No, that's from the uh, Barclays Center. Oh, jeez, I forgot that they had two matches that were... They had these matches that were literally just split between the two. That's right. I remember that. Uh, I did like the whole nostalgic feel of having, you know, Barclays Center, but also bringing back the Manhattan Center. They had, you know, the classic Raw logo banner. They had the Raw logo uh, entranceway. They had, you know, Jerry Lawler and Jim Ross, even though they both weren't on commentary throughout those. Oh, no, they they were. No. I I think Jerry Lawler was, but I don't think JR was ever a part of the classic deal. I'm, I'm probably wrong. Somebody's going to have to correct me if that's the case. But it's still cool to see, you know, the classic team of Jerry Lawler and JR just calling these matches. Uh, in the Manhattan Center, we had two dark matches, which were Mustafa Ali defeating Lince Dorado, Akira Tozawa and Hideo Itami defeating Drew Gulak and Tony Nese. Wow. Oh, man. This just shows you how far the Cruiserweight division has come since then, huh? Uh, we had Bray Wyatt defeating Matt Hardy, and we had the club of Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson defeating the Revival. Uh, I will say this about the Revival. They got, they were literally the team that was going to literally get quote-unquote buried by Legends. I mean, it happened with the Ascension, it happened with quite a few other teams, but Revival had to be the one that had to go under, which I hated that. I wish that they didn't do that. But, I mean, everybody with the click, the two-sweet deal, I get it. So, the other nostalgic deal that I liked about uh, Raw 25 was what the build-up was going to be for what would be the the Raw final deletion between Bray Wyatt and Matt Hardy. 
Now, for those of you that don't know what I'm talking about, basically this story kind of started in early 2017, actually late 2017, where Bray Wyatt had defeated Matt Hardy. Matt Hardy was just in a corner, kind of slumped over. He's just kind of holding himself. He's just going crazy. He's doing the whole delete, delete, delete. And so many people are just like, well, is this where we see him getting broken? About a week later, we see him literally bringing back the broken gimmick, or the woken gimmick, I should say. And this eventually led to the match between the two of them at the Manhattan Center, where Bray Wyatt won again. Now, this is actually pretty interesting storytelling, because there's so many points where if they would have done this with so many other stars, they would not have felt like they were buried. Like, had Bray Wyatt won at WrestleMania and then at Extreme Rules, he probably would have felt like he was buried at, you know, uh, what was it, like Payback or something like that. Probably wouldn't have felt like John Cena buried him. Uh, same thing went with Rusev. Had Rusev won at WrestleMania, maybe even again at Extreme Rules, I went through like a booking deal about that. Uh, it probably would have been more impactful of a loss going into the Payback show. And it also wouldn't have felt like Rusev got buried every single time because literally it was one of those moments where I'm like, are you kidding me? You're going to have Rusev lose on three consecutive pay-per-views. Not even give him a victory. Oh, that's that's smart booking, WWE. That's so smart. It's frustrating. But, like I said, the whole thing with Bray Wyatt and Matt Hardy actually felt like it was a pretty good build-up because you had to build Bray Wyatt up as this threat to Matt Hardy, and that's what eventually got on to the final deletion, or the raw final deletion, whatever they wanted to call it, between Bray Wyatt and Matt Hardy, which honestly is one of the more entertaining segments that Raw ever created. Again, creating nostalgia. And there's been people that have commented on this video. Uh, You honestly could go on WWE.com or their YouTube page, and you'll find that Bray Wyatt versus Matt Hardy final deletion matchup. And when you go to the YouTube section, you'd see... I saw one comment in particular where basically they said, this just goes to show you that, you know, WWE doesn't always have to be serious and just, you know, completely bland. You could actually have them have stupid nostalgic and entertaining moments and that's what this was it was stupidly entertaining there's so many people that could probably trash and it's like oh this is dumb this is wwe stuff it's like no they were doing this in impact they were doing this in tna and it was entertaining because you never really saw stuff like this i rewatched the final deletion between matt and jeff hardy and it still holds up in my opinion because it's something you never really see in wrestling it's something that is different and it's just vastly entertaining. That moment where Matt Hardy just has a rake, and he's just saying to Jeff, he's saying, Brother Nero, it's over! And then he just looks on, and he just has this look of like, uh-oh. And literally follows it up by saying, Oh, shit! And here's Jeff Hardy with fireworks, firing him at Matt Hardy. You never really see that. It's just so vastly entertaining. So the fact that we got, you know, this lackluster matchup between Matt and Bray, it didn't matter. It built up to a greater match later on down the road, and it was the final deletion match. It's just so well done. I liked it. Is it the best final deletion? No, I think that there's some people that would say that, you know, maybe like Tag Team Apocalypto, or maybe even something along the lines of, uh, oh gosh, oh man, I'm trying to think what was the other one, uh, Oh, Deleter Decay, there we go, that's what I was thinking about, was probably the better one, but 
with that being said, it's still a pretty fun and entertaining to show. It's a it's fun and entertaining. It's fun and entertaining stuff, and that's again going back to what I said about nostalgia. It doesn't have to be something that's you know completely serious, but it's something that makes things very entertaining. So now we go into more nostalgic deals. Let's go into the Raw reunion deal because I could go on leagues and leagues and still continue talking about you know Raw twenty five, but I think that people still remember that it being a very very lackluster show. Now could they say the same thing about Raw reunion? I don't know honestly because. I feel like where Raw Reunion had all these legends and had all these great, uh, all these you know wonderful deals, where they just brought in the legends and they had actually some pretty good quality matches. It's just another one of those situations where you know Raw Twenty Five might have the advantage because they had those nostalgic moments. They were I, I don't know. I think that maybe Raw Twenty Five was more of like a show where it's like, yeah, we get to, we, you know, enjoy all these deals. But I think it's more of a nostalgic episode than anything. And people could say the same thing about the show here because really there's only so many things that were brought on to Raw, you know, reunion that was really, that you know, it was really, I don't know. It's just kind of very interesting. So, now we'll go into the, like I said, the static deals from Monday Night Raw, uh, Raw Reunion, I should say. So, what was very nostalgic about this? Well, honestly, it was seeing a lot of the legends. We saw, you know, Mike Bennett talking to Eve Torres, as well as Eric Bischoff, I guess, about parenting. It's kind of a funny deal. <laughs> I, I kind of wanted to make the comment where it's like, well, gee, Eric Bischoff's talking to Mike Kanellis about parenting. Does he have any controversial statements about that? Hmm... I, I don't know. I, I, I feel dirty kind of saying that now, so maybe I should just forget that. Uh, I'm probably not going to edit that out, because there's somebody that's probably laughing at that, and there's other people that are just like, oh, wow, Eric Bischoff, controversy, because, you know, it creates cash, ha-ha. <laughs> I regret nothing. Yeah, no, I don't regret this, I'm keeping that in. So, the other nostalgic deal that happened here was mainly the... 24-7 championship, which honestly started off as a very ugly championship that had potential, and that potential has just skyrocketed to something that everybody looks forward to seeing, because now they're watching these shows, because, you know, it sometimes maybe doesn't even matter about, you know, some of the stuff they have, they just want to watch the show so they can see, okay, well, what's going to happen with the 24-7 championship, and honestly, they did a pretty good job with this, they had, you know, Drake Maverick pin R-Truth early on, then we saw Drake Maverick have an interaction with the Boogeyman, which, in all honesty, is still one of the greatest things that I've seen. Basically, Drake Maverick opening up his suitcase. There's a bunch of worms. Boogeyman's just there. Anytime I hear just that Boogeyman theme music, I'm just like, oh, here we go. Here we go. Here's my man. <laughs> uh, and also, I will say this, that there is a certain King of the Ring that is not a fan of the Boogeyman, but I'm going to let that kind of be a mystery. I'm going to let you guys kind of figure that out. If you've already figured it out, you know, spot on you for that. But it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, if you want to know, just ask one of them. Or maybe I'm wrong. Maybe all three of them hate the boogeyman. But I just know that there, <laughs> there was just one point where I was in New York hanging out with uh, this individual. And they were saying that they were legit scared of the boogeyman. So 
it's kind of one of those things where it's like, ooh, I got something now here to kind of use as a, you know, as kind of like ammunition whenever I need to. Um, but yeah, we had Pat Patterson pin Drake Maverick, which was vastly entertaining. Then we had Gerald Briscoe pinning Pat Patterson, or in theory, he did. Uh, but it's kind of funny, they brought up the whole deal where he just, they brought up the whole, they made a stooge reference during this, and that's funny. Uh, Gerald Briscoe got pinned by Kelly Kelly, which literally is one of those moments where I'm like, oh my god, that, that just happened. Gerald Briscoe is literally one of the best, <laughs> best people in WWE right now. I don't care what anybody says. He lost to a woman. That is totally fine with me. Uh, then Kelly Kelly would get beat up by Candice Michelle and get pinned. She would win the 24-7 title. Uh, and I will say this. This will definitely tie into uh, something I will talk about later on. They had a female referee in this, in Melina. She basically was, you know, hanging out with Naomi and Candice Michelle, and she talks about getting her license, and Kelly's like, what license? Melina reveals a referee shirt, and Kelly Kelly... <laughs> This is one of those moments where it's like, okay, this was a blonde moment. She uh, she basically is like, oh, that's so cool. And then Candace just attacks her. Candace pins Kelly Kelly. Then we see Alundra Blaze actually get the first submission uh, decision in the 24-7's you know, titles lineage, which, my God, I never thought we'd see that. But she kind of has like Candace Michelle in like this uh, side headlock, side armor. She's basically trying to like choke her out with like, one arm, and she's been, and Candace kind of taps out immediately, and Melina just goes, nope, she's done, she's done, she's done. Uh, Lunder Blaze, she grabs the title, she leaves, and it looks like she's going to throw it in the trash, and the Million Dollar Man passes the money off to Lunder Blaze, buying the title from her. Drake Maverick would go on to, you know, to pin Ted DiBiase in a limousine, which I think is the first time ever that's ever happened. Uh, Drake Maverick looks like he's going to, you know, get into another limousine with his wife. He's going to consummate the marriage, and our truth pins Drake Maverick. He gets in the limo. He's telling the limo driver to drive. Drake Maverick's wife is still in the deal, and we see Drake just yelling out, you know, no, my baby, my baby, my title, give me back my title. And he's thinking, oh, my wife is still here. Looks up, just sees Carmella, and all I'm thinking to myself is. Well, this is awkward. <laughs> and, he, and, and Drake, and Drake, just that line of my wife. <laughs> so I'm honestly hoping, as much as I love the whole Drake Maverick R Truth deal, I'm hoping this is one of those situations where Drake Maverick slowly realizes, okay, the championship is has cost me my wife. Maybe he just gets away from that championship. I don't know. It, it, that's just me. But honestly. You look at everything else that happened with you know Raw reunion. I can honestly say that the th- there wasn't too many nostalgic moments here. This definitely felt like a regular Raw show, but they had like some nostalgic moments here. The big one was at the end where they had everybody all lined up. They had everybody you know clapping and everything like that. They had you know Ric Flair come out. They had Hulk Hogan come out. And like I said, they had Stone Cold come out. This was probably the most nostalgic moment there. Uh, Honestly, I don't know if I really would call Monday Night Raw a nostalgic Raw. You had some great, you know, you had some pretty good matches. You had some great moments where you built up some matches at SummerSlam. But in all honesty, was it as nostalgic as I thought it was? Honestly, I feel like Raw 25 was more of a nostalgic Raw than Raw Reunion. 
because the Raw reunion nostalgia kind of tapered off just a little bit. I mean, you still had some, you know, great moments where you saw, you know, the legends, but it was more focused on the superstars of the present. So I guess Raw reunion kind of has that edge on it. Uh, I will say this, a couple other things I will say were kind of interesting during this deal. We saw uh, The Fiend, Bray Wyatt, do a mandible claw to Mick Foley, which was like, whoa, that's that's new. In all honesty, if he does do the mandible claw as one of his finishers, I'd be okay with that. I think that it's been long overdue for the mandible claw to be revitalized and be reborn into this century as a, not century, this era as a finisher. And I think that Bray Wyatt, the Fiend character, would be a great person to have for that. And honestly, you could even do this deal where you have him do the mandible claw and then he turns it into the sister Abigail. You could have him do that. That would be cool. Uh, I'm just thankful that he didn't do that to Foley because, you know, Foley is not exactly in his prime anymore and I don't think he can handle too many more moves. So, thankful that they didn't do that. But yeah, I mean, they did do a pretty decent job of building up a couple of the great things. They had a segment with Seth Rollins where... He's talking about SummerSlam. We had a great deal between Natalia and Becky Lynch, which I will say this, that a lot of people have been complaining about Natalia being in this spot in the first place. Yes, it's in Canada. Yes, it makes sense to have her there. But the thing is that I'm okay with this because I enjoy a lot of the matches that Natalia and Becky Lynch have. So for those that are complaining, you have to remember, look, go back into some of these matches. They've actually headlined a couple of pay-per-views with their matches, so... Why complain about it? So, yeah, as far as this whole, you know, nostalgia when it comes to Raw, they hit or miss, in all honesty. And that's the thing about this that really kind of sucks, because when it comes to, you know, bringing back all the legends and bringing back all these great stars of the past, of the present, it's just one of those things where they're doing it for the nostalgia, and if you do it one too many times the nostalgia wears off. So I do appreciate, you know, them trying to make us revisit these kind of deals, but we also have to remember that if you do it too much, it's just going to lose that that specialness to it. So that's why I really do like it when only, you know, a couple legends come every now and then. Like, you know, maybe Hulk Hogan comes in to make a huge announcement about a huge pay-per-view match or you know, maybe Stone Cold Steve Austin comes in to be the special guest referee for a matchup, which, honestly, I think that's long overdue right now. Just being able to see these legends, that's great. Having them be a part of the show, that's pretty good, depending on how the, the capacity that they're at. But to be exposed to them too much definitely does hurt the product, because then it goes back to the fans... And there's a lot of fans that are sick and tired of a lot of part-timers coming in and taking, you know, people's spotlights. I mean, people are still pissed off with Brock Lesnar. In all honesty, you know, Brock may be a part-timer, but he shows up for work, he does his job, and he gets people excited. So he's doing his part. So I think that while I'm not a biggest fan of him being Universal Champion again, being the only three-time Universal Champion to add that on... I get why, you know, Brock is kind of the man, no pun intended to, no, nothing taken away from Becky Lynch, but I get I get why he's the man of this whole deal. So, in all honesty, guys, when it comes to these two Raws, they're both nostalgic. I think that 
Raw 25 had more nostalgic moments than Raw Reunion, but Raw Reunion definitely provided you with more wrestling matches and more build-up to events than probably Raw 25. So that's just my opinion on that. Hopefully Raw does not continue to ride on this nostalgic train. Hopefully it's just one of those things where it's, you know, like once a year, that's fine, but don't make this consistent. Don't have these legends come on so frequently that they lose that feeling when it comes back to it. Because like I said, Stone Cold Steve Austin is one of the guys who gets the biggest pops, and if you abuse that too much, it's going to lose the value. That's just my... No, I shouldn't say that about Stone Cold. There's other legends that if you see too much, then it's going to be like, oh, I don't care. Stone Cold's one of those people where it's like, nope, you see him on TV, you're always going to watch. That's all that matters. So, yep, that's my kind of uh, deal. Hopefully you guys enjoyed the whole, you know, month worth of Monday Night Raws. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that more. And guys, I'm going to give you a little bit of a preview on what you can expect for next month that Mr. Freds and I have in mind. Because, honestly... It's quite the interesting ideas that we had. So, I will talk about that after this uh, commercial break. And I will also be talking about the event that I went to this past weekend, which was an awesome show. I have to pull up the result card. Yep, there we go. And I will talk to you guys about that. I will plug the show like crazy because it is absolutely awesome. And... I will talk to you guys in just a bit. So stay tuned, guys. Be right back. Hey, guys. This is Nate the Up and Great. Hey, have you ever wanted to be a champion but can't seem to really find the money and the time to get a championship belt? Well, you know who's a really good friend of mine? AJ from AJsBelts.com. These guys have a large assortment of championship belts, from classic belts to modern day belts to championship belts that you would not even believe. And guys, like I said, they work with you very well. With an awesome layaway program, there is no way that you can beat these guys' prices as well that these guys' deals, especially when you can give them a little bit of money every now and then until you can get that championship goal. Coming from a guy who's a champion and a game changer, I'm Dean Nate the Effing Great, and I'm representing AJsBelts.com, proud friends of the Game Changer Podcast. What's up, guys? This is the Monday Night Delight from the Gift of Podcast, and you're listening to Wrestle Addict Radio.
Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I am Nate the Effing Great, your host of the Game Changer Podcast, doing it solo today. Again, looking forward to seeing Mr. Fretz and talking to him next week when he makes his triumphant return to the Game Changer Podcast. All right, so I talked earlier about nostalgia, and obviously, I'm sure people are getting sick and tired of me talking about it, so I'll just stop saying that right now. But when it comes to just having a lot of fun with wrestling, I definitely enjoyed the time that I had this past week when I went to ACW uh, Wisconsin show, uh, the fact that they returned to Tanner's again. Yes, they keep coming back to Tanner's, and it, honestly, I can understand why. It's a really good location, really good spot to just have people come, and to be fair, if there are people that are just, you know, looking for something to kill time, they go from the bar right into the wrestling show right next door. It's pretty convenient. It's honestly really smart marketing on their end. So I'm going to go through like some of these matches and I will talk about some of the great you know moments throughout this entire deal. Uh, we had Weapon Next, Logan Lynch defeating Raging Nathan Gust. We had Bulletproof Ben McCoy defeating Local Dad Eric. Salem Crane defeating Jason Cash. Famous Trash defeating uh, Wild and Randy in a pool party match to retain the ACW Tag Team titles. Ta- uh, tag team move defeating Aesop Mitchell and Aaron Arsenal. We had Seth Gambino retaining his ACW All-Star Trophy against world-class Steve uh, Sta- Stavros, I believe is how his name is said. And then we had Adam Grace defeating Theodore Swans at TW3 in a three-way ladder match to win the ACW Water City Championship. So... I always love coming to these shows, and I always love when a lot of these wrestlers, you know, interact with fans, when they just react to how the fans just absolutely, you know, bombard them with cheers or bombard them with boos. It's just an absolutely fun, fun atmosphere. So definitely, if you get a chance, check out your local local wrestling deals, because it's just a lot of fun. Now, when it comes to this, I did feel like there was... A lot of times where I had to kind of, you know, get people involved. And I, you know, I'm not going to, I, like I said, the keyword is a lot of the time. I would say maybe about 60% of the time I was trying to get more people involved in the wrestling matches. I remember also being a part of so many great chants. And there were a lot of points during the show where I got either called out by some of the wrestlers or they just, decided to poke fun at me. Mainly, I'm talking about Joey Avalon, who called me fat. (sighs) It's not fat, it's fluff. Get it right. Um, We also just see a lot of, you know, great wrestling matches between these guys, and they're just absolutely doing a lot of great moments, and they're creating a lot of great moments, they're creating a lot of great character work. I'll tell you this right now, that one of the things that I enjoyed during this show was the interaction that Logan Lynch had with uh, Nick Colucci because on in October they are actually going to be battling against each other for the AC for the vacant ACW heavyweight title and one of the things that I liked about this was that Logan Lynch basically was saying you know you're only popular because of your partner Swoggle a lot of people might remember Swoggle as Hornswoggle saying that you know you're all, you're a tag team wrestler you're always going to be a tag team wrestler you're not going to be more. He just putting down Nick Colucci, making him feel like he is not going to have a chance against Logan Lynch come, you know, Night of the Legends. 
And in all honesty, there's a part of me that thinks that, you know, Logan Lynch is right, but there's a major part of me that knows that Logan Lynch is wrong. Because I've seen Nick Lucci wrestle in tag team matches, and I've seen him wrestle in singles matches. So I literally look at this and I think to myself, I think that Logan Lynch is going to be very surprised in October when he has to battle with single star Nick Colucci. It is going to be one of those matches that's going to be can't miss. I will definitely be there to take photos, and you guys are definitely going to want to see a lot of the things that I have to say about that show. So it'll be definitely in the future. You'll definitely want to hear about that. Um, I like also what Ben McCoy is kind of doing. He's kind of being a heelish Bret Hart, and if you don't believe me when I say that, you definitely would have to look at the fact that he used the sharpshooter to finish off his opponent. He definitely has kind of like this demeanor about him that, you know, you don't need the fans to be popular. You just need to have your skill. He's definitely kind of one of like those anti-fan kind of deals. He literally, during the beginning of the matchup, was talking to his opponent saying, you know, you know, this could end one or two ways. One, either I can hurt you or you could walk away, you know, still be able to, you know, hold your kids. Just really being a bit of a, <laughs> a bit of a, pardon my French, a bit of a bastard. And that's one of the things that I love about, you know, local heels is that they know how to really get under your skin and just really make you hate them. So I just really enjoy that. And I know that there's a lot of people that are big fans of Ben McCoy. I'm a, like I said, I'm a Ben McCoy fan myself, but at the same time, I'm still a fan that will cheer for the faces and boo the heels. And bulletproof Ben McCoy is a heel. So that, that kind of kind of goes there. So uh, another thing I definitely kind of enjoyed was the uh, pool party matchup, the tag team title matchup. Basically, Joey Avalon and Jordy Lee, who were the tag team champions, a.k.a. known as Famous Trash, they have this open challenge for the tag team titles. Originally, they were going to be fighting off against a different team, but one of the members got jumped. Gee, I wonder who could have done that. So, <laughs> so Wild and Ra- Randy, they came out and they made a challenge and they said, hey, we'll make this a pool party matchup, basically using equipment that you would see in you know pool parties. They had you know, lawn chairs, they had an inflatable raft, they had coolers, they even used sunscreen during this matchup. Uh, one of the competitors, Jordy Lee, ate some sunscreen, which, honestly, I think to myself, oh, geez, how many chemical reactions are going to have there? I, I never got the chance to even ask him after the matchup. It's like, hey, dude, uh, how did that sunscreen taste like? Did it taste like ranch? Did it taste like mayo? Did it, did it just taste like pure shit? And... I never got that chance to really ask that, so I'm kind of bummed about that, but I'm guessing it did not taste very pleasant. But you never know. Maybe there was, like, a secret deal where they, you know, emptied the bottle and they put in ranch dressing or something like that. You never know. You just never know. But, yeah, I loved a lot of the stuff that went on during there. There was even, like, a shield powerbomb spot where they had two lawn chairs and a raft kind of in the middle of the ring, kind of like you wouldn't know how they had the two chairs and a table, and they sent someone through the raft. It was a honestly a really good spot I liked it I thought and honestly for those that think that you know all that doesn't hurt well uh you have to also remember that it's an inflatable raft it was blown up and as soon as the body makes contact with that you hear a pop you know that sucker's gonna hurt oh man it was just a really good matchup and the three-way ladder match was 
really good. I will say this, that the Game Changer Podcast has had the privilege of sponsoring two of these guys' you know, confrontations. We sponsored their match at uh, Water City WrestleCon, and we also sponsored them here at this show. Both of the matches were really good. And I feel like, you know, where the triple threat at Water City Wrestling Con was at a really good spot, they stepped up their game here with the ladder match. It was brutal. There were a lot of spots where somebody got thrown into a ladder and that just sucked. They got tossed off a ladder. I think there was even a point where somebody got a neck breaker off the ladder. It was just as brutal a ladder match as you can imagine it being. And that's great because these matches need to be brutal. These matches need to be crazy. And there's so many good suspension of beliefs where you think that this person's going to win. Oh, no, this person's going to win. There were so many moments where I thought T-Dub 3 was actually going to pick up the victory and was going to deny Adam Grace that chance at the title uh, further on, along down the road. Uh, in my honest opinion, thankfully, that did not happen. Adam Grace was able to climb the ladder, retrieve the belt, and he got a well-deserved, you-deserve-it chant, which uh, Porn Stash, the former champion, he basically came up to him and said, you know, you do deserve it. Great job. And honestly, guys, even if there's just a singles match between, you know, uh, Porn Stash, Peter Swans, and Adam Grace, I'd look forward to that. But if they decide, hey, we're going to do, like, the trilogy match here, we're going to have one more time these guys go at each other again... I'm totally fine with that. <laughs> uh, I don't know how you can top a ladder match, but in all honesty, maybe this is building up to something bigger. For all we know, it could be a triple threat Iron Man match later on down the road. You just never know. So we'll just have to kind of wait and see what you know comes in the future. And I will say this. This was kind of one of those things that I thought was kind of funny. So I mentioned... Salem Crane in a previous podcast where I was at an ACW slash, I think it was a Great Lakes Championship Wrestling, the GLCW show uh, that was here locally. And there's that moment where he, you know, tells me to get his jacket. I do. And then I just throw it to the ground, step on it, give him a pat on the head, that kind of deal. Uh, we kind of did something like that here. But I will say, it's kind of funny because... Uh, Salem Crane is one of those guys who I literally love to hate because first thing he does in the night, Raging Nathan Gus is down. He's just absolutely, you know, defenseless. Salem Crane, he just comes out, and I just remember saying to him, don't you do it, don't you do it, don't you do it. And he's just like, well, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And he does like a double, two double-arm DDTs to Gust. Gosh, I'm looking forward to the, to the match between the two of them. Then... You know, he comes out for his matchup, and he just looks at me, and he just says, you know what's going to happen. You know what's going to happen. He hangs up his jacket. Uh, one of the ring guys, he was not clued in on the plan, obviously. <laughs> so he goes, he grabs the jacket, and Salem Crane just like, hey, put my jacket back. Put my jacket back. And I'm just like, my God, we're actually doing this again. <laughs> Uh, but this time around, it was different results. Basically, I grabbed his jacket, and then before I even had a chance to do anything, he grabs the jacket from me, walks away. It was just one of those things where it was, you know, it, it was not as funny, it was not as entertaining, but it's still one of those things where it's like, dude, I just got to take a jacket from 
for a wrestler. And this is going to continue to be a thing. <laughs> that's uh, that that that's going to be funny. I, I've I've made the joke already that I would love for this to kind of end with me turning heel and just putting the jacket right on Salem Crane. Or I could even see this happening. Literally a moment where uh, he tells me to get his jacket. I get the jacket. I say, okay, I'll put the jacket on you. And he's getting ready to put it on. Then we, I could pass the jacket off to Raging Nathan Gust, and he just pats him on the shoulder. He basically just say, he basically attacks him. That would just be cool. I would like that. Um, but that's just my creative booking side. So, ACW returns to Tanner again. It was a fun show. It's really good. And guys, for those of you that are interested in going to an ACW show, I'm definitely going to be doing a nice little uh, cheap plug here because. They actually have a huge show coming up in the next few weeks. Actually, it's going to be next uh, uh, next weekend, actually. It's going to be Rock and Rumble happening on August 3rd at the Menominee Nation Arena in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. Definitely check that out, you guys. You have two great bands that are going to be a part of this, uh, featuring you know Filter and Adelino's Way involved in this. They've already promoted that. Booker T is going to be involved in this. He's going to just be there for a meet and greet. In all honesty, I'm very curious to see how this goes. This is going to be like more of a, you know, more like a, more like a concert, or is it going to be more of a wrestling show? Because they do have you know wrestling involved in this, but at the same time, is this going to be like a purely purebred you know wrestling show, or is it going to be just a concert where you have like maybe one or two matches involved in this. I I don't know. I wish I was going, but unfortunately I have a commitment to do for that. But I will say this, that I'm looking forward to seeing that. And honestly, guys, they have another show coming up at the Oshkosh Masonic Center, which is ACW 31, last stop before their big show at uh, Night of Legends on October 5th. The only thing that they've promoted for this is that there's going to be an in-ring contract signing for the ACW heavyweight title matchup between Nick Colucci and Logan Lynch. I'm looking forward to that. That's whew, that's, that's going to be good. So I will definitely be there to see that show. It's going to be an absolutely amazing show. And it's, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. So with that being said, now I'm going to talk to you guys about an idea that Fretz and I had that we wanted to kind of talk about uh, over the next few months, few weeks, I should say. Uh, everybody knows that I've been promoting on my Twitter page that August is going to be a special month for me because it's going to be the 15-year anniversary for me as a wrestling fan. And I am so looking forward to you know, celebrating it. I got so many interviews lined up for this. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I can already say the names that I've had so far listed for this. Uh, Kate Murphy from the Kings of the Ring podcast will be a part of the show. We also have Dusty Dave, the man of infinite gimmicks. He will be a part of this. More along the lines of the All Out Week than any other time. Uh, Rachel Moon will be a part of this show. Uh, Kayla, you might remember couple of these names from Twitter. A lot of people know uh, Kayla better as a Kayla Moonshoes. 
and also SoCalVal, the big name that will be a part of this. Definitely check that out. That's going to be a lot of fun because I'm not doing just one show. I'm doing two shows with her in the month of August. But that now being said, what is the idea that Fretz and I have in mind for this? So one of the things that I definitely do like with the Game Changer podcast is that we do talk about game-changing moments or things that could be game-changing moments. So it came to the idea that um, I wanted to talk about so many missed opportunities that were indeed you know game-changing moments. And there is so much that we could talk about. I mean, I've mentioned before, you know, moments with, you know, Rusev and Bray Wyatt where they had some moments where they were just absolutely just screwed by, you know, John Cena. Like I said, had Rusev won some of these matches, then he probably would have been a bigger game changer than what he is now. Uh, had Bray Wyatt won, same thing, although we wouldn't have gotten the Firefly Funhouse, in my opinion, which... Yeah, I can understand that. Um, one idea that was brought up by, actually, the head honcho himself, King Ricky, he talked about a couple of moments that I will eventually you know, kind of talk about, but one that he kind of brought up was the Nexus. And for those of you that don't know, basically the Nexus is one of those factions that was so, so mishandled that it literally just mind-boggles so many people how they had something that was there, that the writing was there, and they just decided, well, we're, we're going to try this way and see if it works. And obviously it didn't work. And they had to know it wasn't going to work. So, basically, it's a bunch of NXT rookies who come in, and they, well, NXT back when it was a competition show, more than the brand that we know and love right now, uh, it was a show where they had all of these, you know, independent wrestlers from FCW at the time. They came in, they all competed. Uh, Wade Barrett was the first winner of the inaugural NXT competition deal where he would get a title match of his choosing, which was eventually going to be the WWE Championship. Now, unfortunately, he did not win that. But before that blow even took place, we had to deal with the fact that you had the perfect setup for this. You had a huge match where you had Team WWE versus Team Nexus at SummerSlam of 2010. And it was one of those events where, you know, it should have been the Nexus that gone over. It should have been a situation where it felt like an NWO takeover. Uh, But they did not do that. Instead, they had a really good matchup up until the end. It was literally one of those things where it was like you watched it, and you're thinking, like, oh, this is getting good. Oh, this is good. Oh, this person's getting a spot. Oh, this person's getting a spot. This is good. This is good. We get to the final three, which is Justin Gabriel and Wade Barrett taking on John Cena. John Cena gets DDT'd on the pavement, and he beats both Barrett and Gabriel. Literally, I could not detail that any more than what it is. I don't want to detail that any more than what it is. Literally, Cena gets DDT'd, he beats Gabriel, then he beats Barrett. And there's been a lot of conflicting stories about this. Uh, Definitely one of those things that uh, is very much... It's basically very much... uh, I'm trying to figure out, like, a set in stone. There we go. Is that uh, Jericho did a podcast with Edge 
about a few years ago where they talked about the whole Nexus deal, and they wanted to get, you know, Barrett over. They wanted him to be the next big star, and they mentioned the fact that after the match was over, John Cena said, it was the wrong call, I know what I did was wrong, and then we got another interview with Barrett that was from uh, Inside the Ropes, where he talks about that whole deal, where they said, well, not only did we think we were going to win, but we were told, yes, you are going over in this matchup. And up until, I think it was the day of, they mentioned, like, okay, this person's going to get eliminated here, this person's going here, this they're going, going, blah, 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 blah. And then they tell the final finish there, and he meant, and Barrett is just like, well, that's just, no, that that should not happen because we should be winning. And Arne Anderson threw his hands up, and he's just like, hey, you got to talk to Vince. He's the one who said it. So they go to Vince, they talk to him, and Vince has this, idea of, well, SummerSlam needs to have a happy ending. Okay. Um, why? I mean, if you wanted to have a happy ending, you would have had it, you know, had somebody else, you know, you would have had something different in there. In all honesty, in all honesty, what kind of might have, in all honesty, it's just one of those situations where it's like, what? why did, you know, it need to have a happy ending? Why couldn't you have just, you know, just, just did they? They're some of the best, you know, movies. Some of the best movies that are created don't have that happy ending story. It's very emotional. It's very heart driven. It makes you want to see that again. Uh, and honestly, some people might think that this is a bad example of that. No, this is no, this is a good example. Um, first one that comes to mind when I think about movies that didn't have like a happy ending was Empire Strikes Back. You look at it. As a whole, it's one of the greatest movies of all time, and honestly, I will say that it's one of my favorites of all time, if not my favorite of all time. It doesn't have a happy ending, because you literally see Luke Skywalker getting a, a you know different hand. He's getting that fixed up. Han Solo is taken to Jabba the Hutt. We see... The, the the alliance the you know the rebel alliance they are on the run after their huge loss on Hoth, so it's not one of those movies that has a happy ending, but it keeps you invested enough to want to go see Return of the Jedi. Same thing could be said about the the Pirates of the Caribbean, or not the Curse of the Black Pearl. I think it was a Dead Man's Dead Dead Man's Chest. There we go. It did not have a happy ending. It had the situation where everybody seems like all hope is lost, and you know Jack is gone. He's in David Jones' locker with the Black Pearl. We see so much, you know, of this negativity that was going on. And there's even like points where Will and Elizabeth they're even conflicted about, you know, well, what do I want in a relationship? What do I want with this? And it's enough still to keep you invested in this, to where you think, okay well, this is going to get me invested into the next one. The only, I guess, quote-unquote, happy ending that happened with that movie was the deal with Barbosa coming back. If you want to call that a happy ending. I wouldn't call that a happy ending. It's one of those things where I look at it and I say, okay, so you got the guy who literally tried to kill you on your side, so he could turn at any moment. You just never know, know that. So... It is such a huge misbooking opportunity with the Nexus. They didn't need to have that deal where they got buried by Cena. And the whole 
deal where you know it has to have a good moment at the end. I'm sorry for saying happy ending so many times. There's so many people that are probably thinking the other happy ending, but uh, we wish. We wish it was that. Had, had some people gotten the happy ending, that version, for the end of that summer, I think people would have been more relaxed about it. But nope, we got a happy ending where John Cena went over. So, honestly, it was an easy fix. All you had to do was just not have Nexus lose and then start having them continue to dominate again. You could still have John Cena be, you know, the conquering hero where he comes back. I think Adam Blumpy actually does a really good job of booking this where he actually takes the Nexus and he makes them kind of like this unstoppable force, but he still gets them as, you know, individuals. He still makes them strong as a faction. He creates this deal that makes it so much more fun and so much more interesting than what they had. So if I had to add, like, you know, new twist to this, honestly, I would still keep the fact that, you know, Wade Barrett wins the WWE title. I would actually still have a moment where maybe the Nexus holds every single championship, which I know seems like a really dumb idea, but most of the greatest factions need to have that moment where they have all the gold. And to be honest, maybe there's people that don't even need, you know, a championship. You could have, you know, you know, Skip Sheffield, he could just be the muscle behind it. You could just have David Otunga kind of be like someone of the mouthpiece behind that. He's kind of like the representative because, you know, he talks about being a Harvard law graduate. He could just be kind of like that manager deal behind that. I mean, to be honest, was he the best wrestler? No, he definitely was not. And a lot of people remember just having all these great ideas of, you know, all the people that were involved in this. And then they said, you know, oh, this great talent and David Otunga. So why not kind of, you know, embrace that? Why not just have maybe even be David Otunga be like the, the keeper of peace within the within the group where he basically is the voice of reason where he says, you know, we've done this. Let's actually, you know, try this way or something like that. And it honestly, like I said, just have a moment where they hold the gold. Just that beautiful moment where you could have everybody in Nexus holding a championship. It's just a beautiful sight. And so many people deserve that, Tasha. I mean, Justin Gabriel and Heath Slater, they were great singles and tag team competitors. They could work off both ends. You had, you know, well, there's Michael Tarver. I'm sure a lot of people would have been like, well, he was the thing. Just put him up with the tag team. Have him and Daniel Bryan do it. And maybe even have, they have the whole Freebird rule deal. Why not just do it like that? It's not that hard to do. And then definitely have, you know, dissension in the ranks where, where you know, at first they're like, you know, they're like a brotherhood. They're like this. But, of course, Barrett being, you know, the guy in there, he basically says, you know, you fail the brotherhood. You don't deserve to be in the brotherhood. It's kind of that simple. So, you know, and that evolves into the matchup between, you know, between Barrett and Cena for, set up for WrestleMania. Uh, in all honesty, would there be another person that would be a better fit than, you know, say, you know, maybe say, <laughs> say John Cena? Um, I mean, maybe Daniel, Br no, he wouldn't really have that much. I mean, he's, he was popular, but I don't think he was on that role that he would get on until later on. I mean, somebody in the Nexus, maybe, but I just don't see anybody else other than John Cena being that guy that would be the conquering heel. Some people might say, you know, Randy Orton. 
I don't know. I don't think Randy Orton would be that guy that I would see being the conquering hero. And I'm trying to think of like anybody else that would work. Like Kofi Kingston, Face Dolph Ziggler, um, Big Show, Kane. Nothing really just stood out other than John Cena. So it had to be John Cena that d- did it. So that's kind of the concept that we have in mind is that we will be taking moments that were indeed game changers. And we're going to talk about what happened with them, what went right with them, what went wrong with them, and even give our take on you know how would we change that. It's actually a really cool concept idea. I think it's going to be something that will definitely bring more creativity to the Wrestle Attic Radio deal because you have everybody talking about you know Raw and SmackDown and NXT and everything like that. So why not just have us do something different? So. I think that's honestly something that I'm really looking forward to. Now, I definitely do want to talk AEW because they did make the announcement that they are going to have their first showing. and They're actually going to be, they've announced their TV deal for October. Their wrestling show will be taking place October 2nd on TNT. I'm looking forward to that. That is going to be absolutely awesome, and I am looking forward to watching all the great competitors that have been signed to AEW. I'm looking forward to all the great talent that is going to keep coming to AEW. Now, I also do agree with a lot of things that Chris Jericho has said in recent interviews where you know they could sign so many people, but at the same time, they still want to get people to look at these people, look at these stars that they have, and have some kind of connection with them. If they bring in too many people, then people are going to get lost in the shuffle. So what they have right now, they are completely content with. And I'm okay with that. I'm not going to be one of those people that's going to say, like, oh, no, we got to have you know this person involved. they got to have this person involved. Oh, this person's probably going to leave WWE. Let's bring them on for here. It's like, no, you, you don't have to have them do that. You can just have them you know compete around the world, around the country, wherever they'd like, have them build up their name, and then after that, then bring them on. Because, you know, honestly, there might be some people that will get, you know, different offers, and they'll probably want to go to different companies. So, there's always going to be points where they're going to have to be like, okay, you know, this person's not working out, we're going to have to leave him. Do we have anybody that can kind of fill that void? You know, this person here. So, it is kind of one of those things where Stone Cold Steve Austin said it, best. He said, entertainment is kind of like a machine. When one gear kind of is broken up, you take the gear out, you put it in the discard pile, and you put in a new gear. So, spots are going to be opening up. It is a it is kind of a very dark way of looking at it, but it makes sense. And it is one of those things that's in life. It's that, you know, when one gear is, you know, has definitely, you know, been used up so much that it's unusable, you have to put in something else to replace it. It just it it's it sucks. It really does suck to, to say that, but I totally get it. I 100% get it. So, on that note, oh boy, uh, I am going to take a final commercial break, and then when I come back, I will be talking about the list of greatness of favorites I've had. And guys, it's going to be a very interesting list for list selection for this time around because one of the names on the list has already been mentioned. 
So, definitely going to want to find out who that is going to be. And it'll be coming up next. This is your pool party captain, Randy Fitzsimmons, and you're listening to the Game Changer Podcast. Pew, pew! Hi, I'm Nate the and Great. You know what's really fun, you guys? is just spending some time creating wrestling moments. Whether it's being in the crowd, cutting promos, or just really kind of beating each other up with a chair or a trash can. Well, let's just say that there's a safer way to doing that without using an actual chair or a trash can. Go over to Great Minds Revolution Incorporated. My buddy Kurt has actually created a very safe and fun way to be a wrestling fan without the necessary lawsuits of basically beating each other up with real stuff. He has an inflatable chair that is really fun to just whack around, and it could also double as a little float floaty for a pool. He also has the inflatable trash can, which, you guys, is really awesome because, let's say, maybe you don't want to use it for wrestling matches. You could use it at your barbecue, your next big tailgate party, whatever you could think of. Great Minds Revolution, Inc. They do a great job on making wrestling fun again. Proud friends of the Game Changer Podcast. What up, ooses? This is DFDC Jeff Pomaggio of Not Your Mama Soap Opera, and you're listening to Wrestle Addict Radio. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Game Changer Podcast. I am Nate the FN Great. You can check me out on Twitter at Real FN Game. Be sure to also give my Facebook fan page, the Game Changer Podcast, a like. Be sure to check us out because there's so many great things that are going on over the next few weeks. Be sure to also check out my boys over at the Wrestle Attic Radio Nation at Attic underscore Wrestle. Be sure to also check out the great podcast known as the Gift of Podcast. Listen in, man. The Nacho Mama Soap Opera Podcast, because, well, your mama might still like it, though. Uh, the Kings of the Rings Podcast, Royalty at its finest, and, of course, boys over at the Fourth Wall WrestleCast, breaking fourth walls, one podcast at a time. Maybe. So, obviously, guys, always got to wrap it up with a page from the favorites that I have been doing over the last few weeks. We are down to the final Three here, building up all the way to Summer Slam, baby, the biggest party of the summer. So, number one will be announced 
on the SummerSlam show that will be taking place in two weeks. So definitely tune into that. So let's go right into it. Number three for favorite tag teams is the Rock and Sock Connection. In all honesty, guys, this is just combining two of my favorite wrestlers you have. Mick Foley, Mankind, and The Rock. Basically, it's just one of those teams that a lot of people didn't think was going to happen. Help The Rock was even thinking, oh, I'm not really into this idea of having this guy who is just a crazy, deranged madman as my partner. But he admits, hey, you are a guy who is literally the toughest person that I've ever dealt with. And it seemed like it was going to be a one-off. But, nope, they won the tag team titles, so they had to go at it again. Uh, and this happened on, not once, but two uh, separate occasions, I believe. They I, they either won the tag team titles two times or three times. I can't remember exactly. But the wrestling matches were not, like, you know, absolutely you know fantastic. It wasn't one of those things that was quite revolutionary as, like, you know, the Dudley Boys, the Hardy Boys, Edging Christian, stuff like that. But the reason why they are such... One of my favorite tag teams is the fact that they were the most entertaining team of all time. And it's very hard for people to deny that because you look at some of the great moments that they've had where maybe The Rock is just talking with mankind backstage and they're just kind of, you know, chit-chatting and they're doing interviews and mankind is just ripping off all The Rock's, you know, catchphrases, even like <laughs> changing some of them up like, uh, like... The Rock's line of your and the millions and millions of The Rock's fans, Mankind does, and the dozens and dozens of Mankind's fans, uh, doing the whole, know your role, hey you kid, shut your mouth, and even just the whole deal where Rock is just, he just puts around with Mick Foley, uh, I think one of my favorite moments where they're just backstage, Rock just... Rock and Foley are kind of talking to each other, and Foley's just like, Rock, Rock, what do you think of your new shirt? I think it says uh, testicular fortitude. And Rock just goes, What does the Rock think of your new shirt? Well, the Rock likes your new shirt. It looks great on you. But, hey, better yet, do you like your new shirt? And Foley's like, I love it. It doesn't matter if you like your shirt. And who can honestly forget, guys, the This Is Your Life segment that Mankind hosted for The Rock? I mean, my God, was that just vastly entertaining just seeing mankind coming out and he brings out these people from the rocks past you know an english teacher football coach an ex-girlfriend which honestly it gets it gets saucy when we get to the girlfriend holy mackerel um but it also ends with one of the greatest lines probably of all time that being let the rock just say one thing to you Tang your ass on out of here. <laughs> Just, <laughs> oh man, and the, 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 the birth of the ever-famous Poontang Pie. I mean, <laughs> oh boy. Just, my God. I, I, I love this segment so much. It's just so much, so much fun. And then we also got, you know, the Rock and Sock Connection jackets, which I don't think they even made them for WWEshop.com. That that needs to be that needs to be a thing. They need to revitalize that. WWShop.com. If you're listening to this, make those things a thing again. You're, you love going back to the past. Bring that back. Also, bring back Mr. Rocco. That would be amazing. You smell what the sock is cooking. All right, I'm done. So, next up, you guys, is the number three spot for favorite women of in re- in wrestling, and. 
this was a very tough one to do, but I had to include this woman on my list, and she's definitely still high up there. One of my favorites. I And all it took was one meeting with her, and I realized, oh my God, she is one of the sweetest people I have ever met, and that being Melina. So Melina, for a lot of you that don't know, she actually started off as a tag team with Mer- Joey Mercury and Johnny Nitro, a.k.a. Johnny Mundo, a.k.a. Johnny Impact, a.k.a. Johnny Survivor, a.k.a. Johnny fill-in-the-blank because it's the perfect gimmick. <laughs> um, but Melina was always there as kind of the eye candy for Eminem, and she had one of the greatest entrances that everybody loved, which was basically her doing a split on the ring apron, and then she would just go under the rope and go right back in. And then it wasn't until, I want to say a few months later, because Mercury and Nitro were kind of the, were definitely the wrestling sabots of this team, Uh, but when we got to Melina actually wrestling, her first matchup was, no, it was actually against Christy Hemme, that's right. Her first wrestling match, I believe, was against uh, Christy Hemme, well, it was probably a six-person tag, if I'm not mistaken. I can't remember exactly, but it was still one of those moments where you kind of watched her at first, and there were some points where I was like, well, I don't know how well she's going to do. She's not exactly like a Trish Stratus or something like that, which in all honesty was one of her better matches earlier on in her career where she faced off against her first major pay-per-view matchup was against Trish Stratus at Survivor Series. That was uh, that was kind of a shock, but it was also kind of those things where like, this is actually pretty decently good. Uh, she would get better as time would go on. She would incorporate, you know, her split technique as much as she could. I remember one of her finishers was like a reverse DDT, but then she would do like a split on top of that, which was cool. Uh, she would do like a something. She would actually start having some really good matches. I think as a face, a lot of people liked her more than a heel. And I think that's what kind of stands out the most is that as much as people really love Melina as a heel, she was just so adorable as a face. Now, after, you know, Melina left, I was thinking to myself, oh, damn it, I can't believe that it's going to be done. Uh, then she made an appearance on Lucha Underground, which is like, oh, wow, she, she's back. Yes, this is great. But they was like for one episode, and I'm like, damn it. So I didn't get a chance to really see her too much until... Oh gosh, was this like this was this was like years ago? Now I'm trying to remember it. I'm trying to remember when this event happened because it was during a Super Friends uh, wrestling con event. It was the first big, huge wrestling con event that I've ever been to, and you know it happened at a hotel. That's fine. Got the chance to meet quite a few people. This is where I got the chance to meet. I think this was the first time where I met uh, Kurt from Great Minds Revolution Incorporated. Yeah, it was, and we actually did a nice little video about that, where I got hit in the back with a steel chair, and I got beat up, and blah, 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 that kind of deal. It was always, it's always good seeing Kurt. Definitely check him out, you guys. It's He's a really great guy, and his products are absolutely amazing, as <laughs> as by the commercial, that amazing commercial. <laughs> um, but yeah, got to meet so many great wrestlers at this event, you know, Cowboy Bob Wharton Jr., you got to meet, I got to meet, you know, Mari Gennetti, got to meet, uh, the beautiful people, my lord, I mentioned earlier in a podcast that I got to meet, uh, Zelina Vega, aka Thea Trinidad, 
one of the major highlights from this entire, entire deal was Melina. She, I've gone on record to say that her and Zelina Vega are my favorite uh, women's duos that I've ever uh, had the pleasure of meeting, and it still, it still stays true. I've really enjoyed the fact that these are people that she just was so much of a beautiful and very soft. She, she, she. No, I don't want to say soft spoken. What, what, what's the phrase? What's the phrase I'm looking for? Uh, okay, so when I first came, when I first saw her, I was literally thinking to myself, "Well, I'm probably going to end up getting like burned or something like that." There's no way that this woman is probably going to talk to me. But no, she turned out to be one of the sweetest people that I have ever met, and that was a legit shock to me because I'm sure a lot of people would say like, "Well, you have to remember that people and." Wrestling, they're not like their characters. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Thank you. But it's still one of those things where you see her being this one character on TV and just meeting her in person. It's a completely different deal. And I just remember seeing so many, having so many great moments with her. Like, I did the whole Hunter Hearst Helmsley bow to her, and she does like this top of the moon into your govna kind of deal. I love that picture. It's just, it's just so much fun. Uh, Another great deal that I had was just, you know, I actually paid for a combo with both of them. I said, I want to kind of do like the Santino Morella F up where he almost breaks his leg doing the split. Can you guys just kind of like do like a laugh or something at me? And there's just a picture of Melina kind of giggling and and, Theatre, and uh, Zelina Vega's just kind of pointing like, yeah, this guy's an idiot. <laughs> but then I got the chance to meet her again this past year and I was thinking to myself, there's no way she's going to remember me. There's there's no way. And I just remember, you know, coming up to her, I did the whole Tender Hurst Helmsley bow. She did the hat deal. I was like, oh my God, she actually remembers me. And she just gave me just this big hug. I'm just literally like, my God, she has some of the best hugs I've ever felt. I absolutely loved it. So it's hard for me to look past, you know, Maria. I'm sure that there's going to be some feelings that are going to be hurt with this because, you know, a certain somebody who I'm going to have on the show next month, she probably wishes that she was higher up, but Melina, I'm sorry, she, she won my heart. She really did. It's just so much fun. Um, and I love the fact that she also knows how to interact with fans. It's, it's cool to see that. She, I think well, the first time we met, she literally said, you know, thanks for coming out both days. It was really cool meeting you, and you gave us a lot of laughs. It's really cool. I just remember also saying, like, you know, maybe, like, once a month, every month. I might even have to do this again. Uh, just send a deal to Merlina, where I show a gift of me doing the whole, like, bow deal to her. Uh, one of my favorite ones is the one with the little, little, the little Diablos from Puss in Boots, where two bow and the third one just falls flat on his face. <laughs> Oh man, I might just have to do that now. Uh it was just it's just really fun to see that. So now we go into the number three spot for favorite mayor wrestlers. And honestly, I could say this. I love this because I got the chance to meet him earlier this year. And it is still still just hitting me that I got the chance to meet him. I am so happy with it. Uh my number three spot for favorite male wrestler goes to CM Punk, Phil Brooks, a lot of people who 
say has you know, left wrestling. He's going to be a part of the AEW StarCast deal. I'm trying so hard. I'm trying so hard to get tickets for this, but I think they're all sold out, and I'm so bummed about that. I really wanted to see CM Punk again. Uh, meeting him was an honor and a privilege, and I even said to him that he's still one of my favorites of all time. He says, well, thanks, man. I appreciate that. He's, very, he's not the dick that people have definitely said that he was. He is one of the nicest guys I think I've ever met. And the fact that he signed you know, a CM Punk poster deal where it shows him winning you know, the ECW title, the world title, and the WWE title, that's cool. CM Punk was one of those guys that when he first started off at ECW, he was just kind of there, I think, for the nostalgic feels for a lot of different fans. Uh, then you hear a lot of stuff that he had to go through in ECW as well as when he went to you know Raw or SmackDown. And, you know, at first he was supposed to win the ECW title in that, you know, extreme elimination chamber, but that got changed because they wanted to, you know, pull Bobby Lashley for it. Um, then they had the whole deal of him winning Money in the Bank, where he would cash in and win the world title from Edge. He would go on to win the world title again via Money in the Bank from Jeff Hardy. He would start building up this great character where he could be a fantastic bastard of a heel, and he could just create some memorable moments like the straight edge society like the whole deal where he's talking about being straight edge that all oh, that creepy deal where he's wishing uh Aaliyah, dominic uh, dominic's sister and Rey mysterio's daughter happy birthday that just still one of the greatest moments in wrestling i don't care what anyone says just him singing those words in the creepiest way it's just it's awesome cm punk is amazing then we fast forward to 2011, we have him drop the infamous pipe bomb, and it just blew up from there. That is where I really started loving CM Punk as the wrestler. He started having great matches with a lot of the people that he worked with, you know, Daniel Bryan, John Cena, uh, did his best he could with Ryback, who almost tried to kill him a few times. Uh, definitely <laughs> one of those things where it's like, oh boy, um, there's some people that are very dangerous in the ring, and they need to learn to kind of chill. Um, but yeah, just seeing everything he went through. And then li I, I keep going back and listening to the Colt Cabana podcast with CM Punk because it always just blows my mind hearing these, uh, accusations that Punk made, but also seeing how many of them, uh, actually are true because more people have come out and said, yeah, this is literally happening. Yeah. You know, you're creatively stifled. Yes. You are literally trying your hardest to, you know, Rehab, and they're saying, "Well, you're going to have to come back sooner than expected." It's like, really? Come on, that's that's not fair. Um, but yeah, regardless of even that deal, I mean, some people might say, "Well, you had to be better at CM Punk one point." Honestly, no. I I totally get where CM Punk was coming from, and I don't hate him for just upping and leaving because he was not happy. He was not healthy. He was not in the best my mindset. He just needed time to get away, and if that means, you know, giving up wrestling, then okay, that's, that's fine, I mean, it's, there's a part of me that's sad about that, but there's also a part of me that respects him as a human being, and realizes that, hey, he should not be having to basically kill himself in any of these wrestling matches, he should be able to go out there and be, still love what he loves doing, and if he loves wrestling, great, then he'll come back to wrestling, if he doesn't, then he doesn't, that's, that's all there is to it. CM Punk is and still indeed the best in the world. 
and I will always fight people on that. CM Punk is still one of the greatest of all time, but he is still he's still going to be overlooked by two other people in my favorite list. And I'll get to that in the forthcoming weeks. So now we go into the favorite matches, and we are in the year 2016. And honestly, guys, I kind of cheated on this one. I went with two matches on this. I know. I'm a horrible human being, but whatever. Um, it's my list. I'll do whatever I want. So for this, I picked two matches, one from WWE and one actually from Lucha Underground. Uh, the one from Lucha Underground was at Ultima Lucha Dos, which featured Prince Puma and Rey Mysterio against each other. I just loved this matchup. I love the nostalgia behind it. I love the buildup behind it. And, again, it's Ricochet versus Rey Mysterio. What more do I need to say? If you ever want to have a match where you just see Lucha Libre at its finest, you want to see Rey Mysterio being his absolute best, definitely check out this matchup here. It's fun. It's just absolutely great. Uh, Rey Mysterio picked up the victory... I really hate the fact that we don't get that... Well, we still could get that rematch, actually. We could get that rematch further along the lines because, you know, Rey Mysterio and Ricochet, they're on the same brand. I mean, <laughs> I mean, we could see that. Oh, gosh, I want that so badly. No, give me, give me Ricochet versus Rey Mysterio, please, 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 please. I want that so badly. Um, the other thing, the other match from 2016 that I really really enjoyed from this. Actually came from Battleground in 2016. There were a couple issues that I have that I'm going to address in just a minute, but when I look at the matches itself, it's still a really good matchup. Now, I know some people might say, well, it's not that good. There's some moments where Sami Zayn is spamming the same move over and over again. And I will admit, there is a point where you do see him doing that, where he does that uh, half-Nelson uh, suplex deal so many times. I can understand why this matchup is probably not high up on their list. But to me, this was just a really good matchup. I mean, you look at the story of Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, and I even talked a little bit about this, the, this in an earlier matchup, where I talked about uh, Neville versus Zayn, where they battled for the NXT Championship, and Kevin Owens assaulted him afterwards. You look at the story that they had after that. Kevin Owens would go on to you know, become NXT champion, he would go on to win the Intercontinental title, uh, Sami Zayn would come in to do the you know, United States Championship Open Challenge, uh, to get only to get injured, unfortunately, and then he would come back, and I love the storytelling that was done here, because basically, the promo before the matchup even started was just so well done, because they talked about, you know, the great relationship that these two guys had for each the great relationship that they had, the huge respect and love that they had for each other. And then Kevin Owens basically said, you know, it was all about business. It was all about, you know, get, you know, it's all about the money, basically. He was being legit. And Sami Zayn went on to say, you know, you cost me my career, you cost me my title. So he kind of did the same thing to Kevin Owens. He cost him the Royal Rumble matchup. He cost him his Intercontinental title. And he said, he, he basically just wants this to be like, you know, the last chapter in this rivalry, which it felt like it was building up to be, but now look, looking at it, it was kind of one of those situations where it was like, you know, this was supposed to be like the big, the big match between these two. This was, excuse me, this wasn't built as the final chapter. This was just built as, you know, a way, the final deal for Sami Zayn to be able to just 
move on from this and be able to you know, continue his career. And to be honest, it was really good. I loved a lot of these moments. Uh, there were points where uh, Kevin Owens was trying to go for that powerbomb with the apron. Sami Zayn's able to counter. Uh, oh, God, that moment where Sami Zayn does that uh, moonsault deal, but he hits his shoulder on the apron. He's still able to hit Kevin Owens. That that scared me. Uh, Sami Zayn's able to hit, you know, move after move. He's able to hit the blue thunder bomb. He's able to hit the suplex in the corner. It looks like he's about to beat uh, Kevin Owens, but he gets, you know, he gets that pop-up power bomb hit on him. One, two, Sami Zayn just gets his hand on the rope. He's just able to get to the ropes. And it's just one of those moments where it's like, oh man, this matchup is really good. And they're protecting the pop-up power bomb. That's great. Um, Sami Zayn is able to uh, <clears throat> to build back some momentum. There, there's a secret where I think it was... Uh, oh gosh. The, there was a frog splash that... Uh, Kevin Owens hit that was just beautiful. Uh, there was like some nice back and forth deals where Kevin Owens actually screams. He does like the and then gets that half Nelson suplex. That was great. The co- the final combination. Oh my lord, that was just that was just great. Uh, Sami Zayn hitting the half Nelson suplex. He hits a suplex in the corner. Then we see Kevin Owens get hit with the haluva kick. Sami Zayn's just like, uh uh-uh, uh, no, it's not over yet. He just holds up Kevin Owens, looks him in the eye. Sets him up, runs back to the corner, runs back, boom! Second haluva kick to the face. One, two, three. Sami Zayn gets his win and he gets redemption for everything. It's just an absolutely awesome matchup. This was just so well done. Honestly, I will say this I will definitely give this one an A. This was by far one of the best matches that you will ever see in a WWE ring. And it was a great way to kind of cap off the rivalry. Now, eventually, we would get the whole deal where Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens fought against each other again. Well, let's not talk about that. But, I will say this, that it's just a really, really great matchup in and of itself. If you just stopped it there with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn and not had them wrestle for a year, that would have been fine. But the issues that were stemming from this was that, you know, it wasn't built up as, like, the final confrontation where they could have been like, okay, this is it, they're going to be done for a while, or they're just going to be, you know, done, period. The other issue was that they put both of them on the same show, which means, oh, we're going to get more Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens deals. Had they had, you know, maybe Sami go to SmackDown, I think he would have been a great challenger for AJ Styles when he eventually would have won the WWE Championship. Uh, I think that maybe even having Kevin Owens go to SmackDown would have been great, and having Sami go to stay on Raw. There's just so much that was wrong with that. I hated the fact that they put Sammy and Kevin on Raw because we knew eventually, oh, they're going to battle again. Damn it. And it's going to take away from the matchup. But that being said, you guys, thank you so much for listening in to this special edition of the Game Changer Podcast. Hopefully I didn't put anybody to sleep or bore anybody. Hopefully for those that are still with me, thank you so much. Thank you so much for your support. And guys, Mr. Fretz will be back on the next episode of the Game Changer Podcast. Definitely want to have our friendly neighborhood Canadian back to talk about wrestling, to talk about a lot of great stuff. It's going to be an absolutely fun, fun episode building up into SummerSlam. And guys, again, I'll promote this. Go check out WrestleAddict Radio. Go check out every single podcast that I've mentioned, including the Fourth Wall WrestleCast, Kings of the Rings Podcast, The Gifted Podcast, and Nacho Mama's Soap Opera Podcast. Definitely check them out. They're absolutely tremendous people, and they do a incredible job 
of giving you guys some of the best content you'll ever hear in podcasting. Also, give us a like on our Facebook fan page, whether it's the Game Changer Podcast or Russell Attic Radio Podcast. Be sure to, let Russell Attic Radio, I should say, in general, just cross off the podcast deal. Um, also, be sure to check us out on our Instagram, because we upload as much as we can on there. And, yeah, honestly, with SummerSlam coming up pretty quickly, it's going to be an interesting way to see how this is all going to be building up. So, that being said, I've been Nate the Effing Great. I'll talk to you guys in the next episode. Bye-bye. from dad <clears throat> all right save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with progressive can i take these off all right what is this this looks good wow that's well made where did you get this i'm talking to you with the hair yeah where did you get this it's good stuff that's solid that's not veneer that's solid stuff progressive can't save you from becoming your parents but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Get to Old Navy today only. Active shorts for the whole family are on sale for just eight bucks for adults and seven bucks for kids. That's right, active shorts are on sale. Eight bucks for adults and seven bucks for kids. But hurry, it's just one day today only at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid seven twenty eight. Select styles only.